is the first fucking American who knows what he's talking about in hockey. It's October 16th, and welcome to the episode three of the Puck Me Sideways podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rove, and with me is my partner, 2L. Tonight, we've got a great show for you tonight, as we're going to recap the second week of the NHL season, provide our power rankings, as well as we will provide some fantasy pointers. 2L, uh, how'd you fare this past week in fantasy? I won. What do you, what, 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 what do you mean? I won. Well, I mean, as far as my calculations go, I think I scored a few more points than you did. Yeah, five. A few is correct. You <laughs> scored five more points than me. I wasn't playing you, so it didn't matter. Well, I understand, but you know who's who's leading the league in uh, fantasy points so far? So yeah, just... it's week. It's week two. I mean, do you, you really want to do this right now? Do we do we have to talk about your defense? I don't even want to talk about your defense. I mean, my defense is awful. I mean, you have Ristolainen and Klingberg, and that's it. Colton Pareko is okay. Matt Dumba, why a why Matt Dumba? You picked up Sammy Votnin and put him on your IR. Like that's going to be some game changer <laughs> when he comes back. I, I mean, mean it doesn't hurt me. He's sitting on the IR spot. It doesn't hurt you, sure, but it seriously doesn't help you. I mean, let's look at. I mean, come on. I got Brent Burns, PK Subban, OEL, and John Carlson on my D. That's like that's the best. That's, I mean, it, I'd be hard pressed to find better D defense in the league. Maybe JT. But that's about it. You really do love that uh, that big D, huh? Oh yeah, good one. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I like I like I like the depth. I like the depth of the D the that I have. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah yeah. All right, live it up now. I'm already up 13 points after tonight because of Stamkos and Nemesnikov. I'm up so. 10. So all right, well you know whatever. <laughs> Fun fact, though, Steven Stamkos has somewhat evolved into this playmaker. He's got – now he had two assists tonight. He's got a one goal in six games, but he has eight assists. So he's got nine points in six games, and eight of them are assists. I mean, I don't mind it. I wouldn't mind him finding the back of the net a little bit more, but, I mean, well, as you know – on that on that top line, I mean, I think he's becoming the sniper and the go-to player there, with the, and Stamkos well, goes yeah. so fast, so – he, it allows him to be that playmaker and get 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 open and. I think I think by the you know a little bit longer here we'll see that maybe start to not necessarily shift. I think we'll have ebbs and flows of who's scoring the goals on that line. I think Stammer will start scoring and Cooch will be the guy giving him the giving him the assists. So I certainly don't mind. I mean he's averaging me seven and a half points a game right now. So yeah, but. either way he's not a bad play at all. Yeah, I need. That's, I need. That's that's what you're drafting him in a standard league. Is you're drafting him to be that number one scorer for you. Right, right. I, I mean, frankly, right now I need more from Gensel and Patrick Line. That's like they're doing okay, but not like. And and frankly, Connor McDavid, five points in four games. But I mean, Edmonton's only played four games, so hopefully he. Pittsburgh in general just hasn't come out come out of the gate hot here. I mean, I think. I mean, unfortunately. I foresee them, you know, catching their spark, uh, which they should with that lineup. But yeah, they started out a little slow, but now, you know, as we'll cover here in the power rankings, when we get to that, there's still a top, there's still a top tier team. Um, well, they, they I have mean, a little I bit of championship hangover too. So 
Well, yeah, we'll see. I think that'll be an interesting storyline when it comes down to the springtime. We'll see how, you know, how much gas they have in the tank, hopefully enough for a first round exit. Hey, uh, you know, so I, I, uh, I'm pretty sure you saw on Snapchat there from my, this past weekend, I was actually down in, uh, I was over in Columbus. So I'm obviously, you know, but I'm in Pittsburgh. So, you know, a little three hour drive out West for Columbus. I had a baseball tournament I played in and, uh, we got there Friday night and decided you know, let's check tickets for a blue jackets game. So went down to nationwide arena, which I have to say now I've, so I grew up a baseball fan my whole life played baseball, same as you. And I've now officially been to more hockey arenas than baseball parks, which is, I mean, to me, if you had told me that when I was 12 years old, I would have, I would have kicked adult me in the nuts and ran away. Not fast because <laughs> I was chubby, but, but um, you were no, so now, yeah, well, hey, you know, I got, I got <laughs> taller. Was I, so, and still am, but you know, whatever. I got taller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I have to say, uh, it was, you know, it was a Friday night. It might've been a little different on a weeknight, but that nationwide arena was rocking. And I was so pumped to finally get to see the cannon shoot off live. Um, and it was a really good game. Uh, Lundquist and net versus Bob, uh, Lundquist had actually turned aside 40 or 42 shots. Bob, I wow. think had 36 saves out of 37. So jackets won two to one. It was a good game. It was really back and forth, but the, the big takeaway I had from it was that crowd and at nationwide, uh, it was electric. It was, it was such a fun game to be at. And, you know, I probably it had something to do with the score a little bit. I'm sure, you know, it was a tight game and everything, every save down the stretch was, you know, exciting, but, um, I'd almost, you know, I, so I was on a Canadian road trip with my buddies. Once we went up to Toronto and we went up to Ottawa, Montreal, then back down to Buffalo. And I mean, the crowds at Toronto, as you Buds fans know, um, that's that's an environment you want to be at. That's that's just cool. And then me and my buddy Steve actually went down to Nashville two years ago and caught a game there. Um, and that was, you know, that crowd was electric. That's what makes it um, a lot of fun. And another fun fact, as you know, me and JT went to Finland back in January. We actually went to Hartwall Arena and caught a Jokerit game, KHL game, not, you know, cross that off the bucket list. And that was like, that was almost like a soccer game environment. It was just like, you know, they had drums. They had this like chant going like, it was just, it was so cool to be at a KHL game. Huh. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I want to keep going to these um, arenas. I hear down in Raleigh that the uh, Canes fans, that place gets rocking. It's from what I heard, um, you know, so yeah, that's, that was a really cool. And, and uh, the, the thing I wanted to tell you about that actually was, the ladies sitting in front of us, it was like a family. They were from Carlisle. So you're from, oh. you're from, yeah, you're from Harrisburg and they were uh, wearing their Rangers jerseys. And uh, my, my, one of my best friends, uh, he's a Rangers fan. I took him, took pictures of Hank and he's like, what a sexy body Hank has. And I'm like, you're weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was talking to these, I was talking to these nice, uh, nice family from Carlisle. So that was funny. They were, were talking about Sealand Grove a little bit, you know, oh, yeah. hometown. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good time in uh, in Columbus. Uh, we gotta we gotta head down to DC. We gotta head down to DC sometime and catch a Caps game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, have have you been to uh, uh, Wells Fargo at all? I, I have not been to Wells Fargo actually. Wells Fargo was. I mean, that was that's. Uh, I mean, as me, you know, being a Flyers fan, and everything. I mean, Wells Fargo. That's that that place rocks. Um, especially when the flyers are winning, if they're not winning, not, eh, not so much, but then beer cans are flying on the ice and bracelets, <laughs> bracelets yeah, dedicated yeah. to Ed Snyder. Well, last, yeah. last game we went to was, uh, it was flyers caps and it just, Oh my gosh, that was like one of the greatest sporting 
events I've ever gone to, not just hockey, you know, just uh, as a sporting event in general between, you know, football, baseball. Yeah. It was just, it was yeah. great. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, uh, Travis was at the, he was in Philadelphia way back when the, uh, Rangers and Flyers had that game where the winner went to the playoffs and, and Ole Jokinen won it in the shootout okay. um, uh, for the Rangers. And he was like, he was scared for his life. So like, <laughs> if, you go in, if you go into Philly as a, as a visiting fan, just, 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 just keep your guard up. That's with any Philly sport though. Oh, I remember cause I'm a in baseball, I'm a Mets fan and uh, 12 years old, went to citizens bank park. I mean, which granted it's my parents fault for letting me wear a Mets Jersey to a <laughs> Phillies Braves game. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I had some death threats. I mean, as a twelve-year-old—that's <laughs> Philly, Philly fans threatening threatening death <laughs> upon a twelve-year-old. That that I mean, you know, there are there are some good Philly fans out there though. We can't give them all a bad rep. So, but there, you know, there are crazy ones. So there's crazy fans in every fan base. So. But yeah, yeah, but you had a good time out there in Columbus. Yeah, highly recommend it. That you catch a catch a Jackets game if anyone listening is ever out in Columbus and. I mean, it's a really cool city too. It's such a cute little city. Um, were, so yeah, were you, able, you know, was it a good, you know, stress relief environment and everything there? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I know I had this, yeah, this, this disaster happened to me uh, with this girl I had been talking to. I don't, I'm not going to bring that up right now. This girl just went off her rocker. So we're, <laughs> we're just kind of, yeah. And that right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway mo- moving on go to, columbus. go to columbus if you uh if you want to catch a good hockey game all right so what do you say we do uh some first power rankings of the year here going into week week three yeah uh you know i don't like to do you know nhl and all these other people do power rankings in the for after the first week i still you know I think that's too early. I think we have a little bit more of a sample size now that we can start to see um some separation in the teams. And, you know, I, I think it's such a fun, you know, I'm going to go through the top 16 pretty quick here and I'm going to explain why I think they're there. So basically I'm not banking, I'm not basing my power rankings off of how they, how the team is doing necessarily currently. I'm kind of doing a combination of their current performance with their expect, expected performance. So a team like, you know, I'll, I'll talk, I'll cover that later, but like, I'm not going to rank, you know, a team that we don't think should be 4 and 0. I'm not going to, you know, necessarily weigh that so much, but they're obviously, gonna, you know, any team that starts out 4 and 0 is going to be up there. I just want to see a little bit more because it's so early in the season before I'm like, yeah, they're the best team in the NHL. You know what I mean? Well, fair enough. So, um <clears throat> with that, um I'm going to start with the Blackhawks as my number 1 team. Um I think, you know, they started out uh they're 4-1 and 1. They have a plus 12 goal differential. I think that their uh, depth is proving to do exactly what the Blackhawks do. And that's, they turn over their roster because they're always under those cap constraints, but yet they have these young guys stepping in and that's what's happening with the Nick Schmaltzes and the uh, Ryan Hartman's and uh, Jan Ruta and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, and I think Corey, Corey Crawford's done a great job. Corey Crawford's always so underrated every year. I have Chicago as our top power ranking team right now. Number two, I'm going to go with LA Kings. They've just been they've just been on fire. A lot of that's been Dustin Brown. Honestly, he's kind of been a renaissance so far this season. They are four zero and one. They have a plus seven goal differential. Um, I think based off of their pedigree, the team that they have, the players that they have, I think that they're deserving of that spot. Coupled with their current performance, and I know probably Maple Leafs fans are thinking, well, what are we doing? We're you know we're starting out hot, and that's why you're number three, Toronto. You're number three. 
Toronto's 4-1-0, plus seven goal differential. And, you know, I base a lot of the the um, a lot of this on the defensive side of things. And right now Toronto's playing a run and gun game and they are just out running and out gunning everyone. And that's working for them. So, um, you know, I think they're deserving of the number three spot. Um, number four, I wasn't really um, high on them to start the season because I thought it was kind of a fluke last year, but I'm going with Ottawa at number four. Um, they're at a plus 10 goal differential right now. They're three Oh and two, two overtime losses. <clears throat> it seems like they're just really clicking and they did all this without Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson just came back on Saturday. I was just um, so, Eric Carlson has been out for the, basically the first two weeks. Right. So um, they've really impressed, um, you know, their depth is, their depth is really coming through. Guys are contributing on all lines. And I think that they've proven that they're, you know, again, I'm sure they know that a lot of people think that that last year was a fluke and they shouldn't have been in the Eastern conference finals. And I'm guilty of that, but Right now, they're coming out of the gate strong, and I, I, I like Ottawa at number four. Number five, I'm going with Columbus. Bobrovsky's uh, just been on a tear lately. They're getting all that depth scoring. Uh, Artemi Panarin's been everything as advertised. I think he's showing that he wasn't a product of Patrick Kane right now. Um, I think their young defensemen are um, doing a great job, coupled that with veterans of um, David Savard, Jack Johnson. Uh, that Actually, I liked watching that top pair on Friday night when I was in Columbus. I watched Wojnarowski and Seth Jones. They were a force out there. They were moving the puck. They were doing quick, quick zone exits. And uh, I think they just had an all-around solid attack. And they obviously peppered Hank, 42 shots on goal. So um, they're 4-1-0 right now with a plus-five goal differential. Number six, I'm going with the Lightning. Um, I still think they're the favorites in the, in the Atlantic. I have Toronto ahead of them right now just based off of um, how good Toronto has been offensively. Um, I think Toronto, I think Tampa Bay will find it. They won tonight versus Detroit, actually, 3-2. to two. Um, so next week we'll see where they're sitting at that. But I think again, with the emergence of Braden point, that second line is really taking a lot of pressure off of Nemestikov, Kucherov, Stamkos, still Victor Hedman back there contributing, um, and pretty much Norse caliber defense, I think, um, and Vasilevsky and net, they've come off to a strong start. Jersey, I'm going with number seven. Yeah. <laughs> New Jersey, I'm going with number seven, um, four, one and oh, plus eight goal differential. They've just been, they've been outperforming. I have them down at number seven based off of what we kind of expected from New Jersey based off the last year. If they keep playing this way, they're going to bump themselves up. Uh, I think uh, Jesper Bratt, again, I talked about him last week, um, has been a nice surprise for them. He's really been capable of playing top six minutes for them. Taylor Hall, fun fact, is going through a bit of a slump. He's got, he has yet to score a goal this year. Um, and he's, I think he's put 14 shots on net in the five games that they played. So he's shooting the puck. He's just had, you know, hasn't had the luck. So they're doing this without their, their best player scoring goals for them. So I think that's a testament to how New Jersey's playing. Will Butcher has been a big part of that. The man has eight assists in his first five games. He's an early favorite for the Kohler trophy if he keeps that up. So um, New Jersey's looking pretty good. Number eight, I'm going with Calgary. They're at four and two right now. That has a lot to do with the play of Mike Smith. Um, they're even as far as goal differential goes, but yeah, Mike Smith's been a great story for them. He's been a great pickup. They saw, they recently just signed, uh, Yarmer Yager. He's playing on that top line with Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau. I don't know if that's why they signed him, but that's where he's been playing. You know, Yager had kind of a tough go last year in Florida. And that was because, you know, he was, and he still had, I think 47 some points last year. And that was without Barkov and Huberdo. When he had Barkov and Huberdo, he was, he put up 60 plus points. So I think Yager has more in the tank, and I think teams shied away. They thought he was getting older, and he's really – I think he's going to contribute, at least on the power play at, at the least, because he's still so strong on the puck and hard to knock off. And, again, that defense in Calgary, 
it's going to be tough the best. Um, number nine, I have St. Louis, uh, four and two plus plus two goal differential. They were the only, they were un, an undefeated team for a while there. They slipped a little bit, but I kind of keep, I'm, I'm not going to necessarily hundred percent say they're going to keep slipping down the rankings. Um, but I wasn't very high on St. Louis going into this year, but, um, you know, they started out hot and we'll see if they keep that up. Um, number 10, I'm at Detroit four one and oh plus six goal differential. Again, kind of a shocking team, and I have them. I have them behind some teams that are four and two, just because I don't think they're going to sustain it. Um, a lot of that's been Jimmy Howard standing on his head, but they're they're getting they're getting contributions from guys Anthony Mantha, Martin Frick. I think they're uh, Mike Green has been kind of a, again a, a, a similar to Dustin Brown as a Renaissance player. We know what he did in Washington, and he hasn't put up anything near that. And right now, he's kind of rolling along. I think he's got maybe, I think, what, eight points in his, in the first five games for Detroit. I didn't see if he's got on the score sheet tonight, but um, he's kind of providing that veteran presence in the blue line they need. Number 11, Vegas Knights. They just they just keep hanging around. And, and uh, Malcolm Subban, so um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen that the Vegas Knights placed Calvin Pickard on waivers after they claimed Malcolm Subban from Boston off waivers. Um, so they pretty much said, hey, no, we're going to have you step in, Subban. You're going to be our backup. And they let a good quality goaltender go in Calvin Pickard, who actually then got flipped to Toronto um, in a trade for a six-round pick and a prospect. But right now, James Neal's driving that boat. Uh, he started out the first couple of games, as I said last week, really really driving the offense, and he's continuing to do that. Um, I think it's exciting. I think it's cool to see a team, an expansion team, uh, perform the way that they're going. Uh, number 12, I'm with Pittsburgh. Uh, Again, they came out of the gate a little a little slow. They're at a minus five goal differential, actually. But they're three, two, and one. They've turned it around lately. Um, I think a big part of that was getting Patrick Hornquist back. Um, the emergence of Ole Mata. Ole Mata is kind of taking on a bigger role. Um, he's actually doing well. And again, I and he's a young defenseman. He's Finnish. It takes a little bit for those guys to to blossom. So I think Pittsburgh's right there. I think they're going to keep climbing up the power rankings as we go on. Number thirteen, I have Philadelphia. I think I had to put them there after the shellacking they put on the caps eight to two. <laughs> they have a plus six goal differential. They beat some good teams. They beat um, San Jose and LA on their Western coast, uh, West coast swing. They're getting it done right now. I, I, again, they're a team. I don't know if they're going to keep it up, but um, right now that top line with, they have uh Giroux rolling at left wing and Couturier centering him and Jacob Borchek. And that line's been clicking. So I think, I, yeah. I was I was a little worried at first about uh, Drew's move to wing, but at the same time, Drew has he's been a you know an excellent he has an excellent shot. He always has. Problem is he had to be the playmaker, and I think they realized last year that they can't rely on him to play both offense and defense. And now they moved him to the wing, said don't worry about the defense part as much. And now that's when he's being able to. Points yeah yeah Claude has been I wouldn't say he's one of the best defensive centers when he was playing but I think now he's playing on the wing it's opening him up a little and, and Coots can kind of concentrate on that two-way game and and open things up for Voracek and Giroux and Giroux is going to be the trigger man I mean he had two goals and two assists against Washington right. and I think well um, Coots is great on the uh, on the face-off too which, yeah. which helps. I mean, yeah, exactly. Coots is even better than Drew was. So I think it just, you know, you now you have Coots, who's a good two-way um, mm-hmm. center, and now you have both a right wing and a left wing with Voracek and, and yeah. who are, you know, either one is a threat to score. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Philly is deserving of a spot in the top 16 right now, just the way they've been rolling along so far. But yeah, 
At uh, 14, I have the Avs. Would not have thought that going into the season that they'd be four and two, the plus six goal differential. But I think they just found the right balance they need for those top two lines. They avoided a scare the other night. Nathan McKinnon actually took a took a shot to the eye, uh, and but he played. He you know it was fine. Ended up being all right. But I think that top line. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily top line, but McKinnon skating with uh, Miko Rantanen and Sven Andrigetto, and then you have. Um, Neil Yakupov with Matt Duchesne. Uh, I think they found the right balance they need. Landeskog's on the third line. He might be the guy that gets traded over Duchesne if management can convince um, Duchesne to stick around because things are turning around. And a lot of that's been on Varley too. Varlamov's been been a rock and net, and he's kind of showing that form that he showed three years ago that he pretty much got them when he was a Vezina finalist when he got them into the playoffs. So um, Colorado four and two. I have them low, but. If they keep it up, you know, they have to show me a little bit more before I bump them above some of these other teams. With that, 15, I'm still going with Washington. I know they just got spanked the other night. They're still plus one goal differential. They're still a force in the Eastern Conference. I think Barry Trotz, I'm not going to say he's on a leash right now, but I think he is in danger of losing the room. Um, and that's, you know, the most common reason a coach is going to get let go is, you know, he's losing the room. And if he can't get these guys to get a little more motivated, but Again, they've kind of, you know, their blue line's young right now. They have um, uh, Juice playing back there, and he contributed. He had a goal and assist. He scored a goal in his first shot in the NHL, which was cool. But um, they play, They brought up Madison Bowie to play um, against the Flyers, and he's he made the highlight reels for the wrong reason because Jacob Borchek absolutely just turned him around on a goal that he set up to Wayne Simmons. And he, Madison Bowie actually lost his stick on the play and just like, I saw like, that. <laughs> yeah. He, he might've, his pants may as well came off. I mean, it was just, I felt bad for the guy and the media gave him some lumps and Barry Trotz gave him some lumps and he acknowledged it, but um, he's a promising young defenseman and you know, it was just, you know, he's getting his feet wet. So I'm not going to look too much into that, but the caps are still right there. I mean, the final team I'm going to put uh, based off their performance lately is Winnipeg. They're three, two and oh, minus two gold differential. Um, but I think, you know, if we take a, take away those first two games, Steve Mason just got absolutely shelled. And look at the three games that Connor Hellebuck stepped in and played well. Um, I think that's the team that I thought Winnipeg would be. So I'm going to put them at the 16. Teams that I have just missing um, that are kind of on the bubble, Nashville, um, they're kind of turning it around. Pecorine is kind of turning his game around a little bit. And I, as I said, Nashville goes as uh, Pecorine goes. And Philip Forsberg's been a big part of that attack lately. Florida, <coughs> Florida, excuse me. Um, Florida is a team that I think is on the outside right now, but close Minnesota, uh, <clears throat> I believe is a playoff team, Carolina, you know, small Carolina's played the fewest games in the NHL. So, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from them. And I think if they can win out, win a few more games here, early, uh, um, once they start playing a few more games, uh, I think they're going to possibly hop in there. So yeah, that's kind of where I have it right now. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear uh, what anyone thinks about these. Um, again, it's, you know, based off how I think they're performing currently versus, um, you know, kind of what we were expecting. So what are your, your thoughts on the list, Ruth? No, I mean, the I, I pretty much agree with you. Um, you know, I think, you know, that I, 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 I personally would probably rank Toronto maybe two, but um, <laughs> it's just, that, but again, they're, they're playing, you know, like you said, they're playing the running gun. Um, their offense is just exploding. <laughs> But it it will be fitting to see if that slows down a little bit because defense is their weak point on that team. 
Yeah, and I think Mike, I think Mike Babcock's kind of just cringing a little bit at the kind of run and gun style that he knows he has to play. Right. I think if I think if Lou can kind of swing something and get in some uh, defensive help, maybe some depth um, to help out um, the Gardners and Rileys and Zaitsevs of the of that roster, um, I think that will um, I think that'll be very helpful to Toronto. I think that might be the push they need because Frederick Anderson's been good too. So yeah. I think I think if they just get. Um, a steadying presence, maybe, maybe uh, trade a guy like Kasperi Kapanen who hasn't really, he needs top six minutes. He's not getting them. He's still in the A. Um, maybe try and see if he can swing something there. There's defensive help out there. He just needs to kind of find it. But well, yeah. they, have, they have three really talented lines. I mean, really three talented lines. And, you know, if they, yeah, if they can get rid of one person, maybe on that line, whether it's, you know, JVR or, um, you know, Kadri or something, something to get it. Uh, well, JVR and Kadri have been a very, very important parts of that attack. I, I, I don't think you want to get rid of your veterans because um, then you're kind of left with these kids. And when they face adversity, you need some kind of calming presence. And then, you know, JVR is, you know, he's a veteran on that team now and he's actually been playing very well. So that's I, true. Think, I think if they're going to make a move, it's got to be from their system. Um, and I think, you know, I think they're, you know, but top four defensemen are a premium. So it's a matter of who, who could they possibly look at? So, but yeah, I, I think Toronto's there. Uh, we'll see what transpires here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but LA has just been on fire lately. So what's, uh, um, on week two, give me your three stars and 10 of the week. Yeah. So we're not going to do, uh, we're not going to do keep it at three stars. We're going to do three stars in the 10 D because I think it's unfair sometimes to put goaltending into that three stars of the week. Um, and I think there almost needs to be a spot for defensemen and I'll explain that in a second, but, um, yeah, I'll just right now. I think, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, we'll start with the 10 D I'm going to go with Corey Crawford. Um, I know he kind of got blown up, blown up the one game, but the two games that he played lot, two of the three games he played last week, um, he, 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 you know, stood on his head for Chicago. He went two one and zero last week. Um, Craig Anderson would have been another valid choice there. He went two two and zero. Um, he's but, you know, I'm going to go with Crawford over this one because I think he's just been a big part of um, being that solid presence in net that Chicago needs. Um, he's allowing the young defensemen to take chances and he's covering up if they make mistakes. Um, so I'm going to go with Crawford as our tendy of the week for week two in the NHL. Third star, this was a tough one. Actually, it was tougher than the first and second star, in my opinion. Um, I'm going with Dustin Brown. LA played three games this week. He had five points, three goals. Uh, he's really clicking on that top line with um, with uh, Kopitar. And it's kind of, he. I, I don't know, it came out of nowhere. I think everyone was kind of ready to, to bury Dustin Brown and throw him, throw him aside. Um, he's proven that it wasn't a fluke, uh, that he used to be, what he used to be was not a fluke. Um, I, I say it was difficult because I almost wanted to go with Drew Doughty because he had five points in three games, too, with two goals. But I think Dustin Brown, just the way the story goes with his uh, resurgence here, I think he's deserving of it. Second star of the week has to be Philip Forsberg. He's put up six points in the last three games, four of which being goals. Again, I said Pecorino is always going to be driving that boat in Nashville, but they, always, they need that presence um, on their forward lines to score goals. That's why they brought in Ryan Johansson. Um, that's why they, I don't know if that's why they traded for PK Subban, but he's created more often. PK has been creating more offense as well than Shea Weber. But I think Philip Forsberg had just a phenomenal week last week to help uh, Nashville go 2-0-1. Um, and that brings me to the first star of the week. 
Kyle Turris, seven points in three games for Ottawa. Ottawa went 3-0 and on the week. He had two goals. This is the Kyle Turris I think everyone was expecting when he uh, first got drafted by the Yotes. He's really been turning it on lately. Uh, I'd like to see him sustain it for a full season. I think this might, maybe this is his coming out party. He's kind of been that more of a mold of a second line center than a top guy. But I think, you know, and he's done this again without his best puck moving defenseman getting the puck to him out of the zone. Um, but yeah, he had a great week and he's part of the reason why Ottawa was in, you know, in my power rankings at number four because of the way they've been playing lately. Yeah. And that brings me to the performance of the week. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good games out there. Claude Giroux had two goals, two assists uh, against the Caps, but I'm not going with him because the Flyers would have won that game without Giroux. Honestly, I mean, it was just, a, it was just a, you know, a barn burner. Um, he had a great game, but I think the bigger difference maker was Mike Smith's 43 save performance last Monday versus the Ducks at the Honda Center where the Ducks are famously, famously good at home. And Mike Smith just came in there and shut the door on them. And a, a place where Calgary doesn't win a lot of games in Anaheim ever. So I think that was just a gutsy all-around performance by Mike Smith. I think Calgary is so pleased with that pickup. Uh, I think he was a great choice for them. I thought that from the get-go. That's why he was the second goalie I drafted off the board in our draft because I like Calgary's defensive unit. Now he's getting peppered with shots a lot every night. So I think Calgary's got to figure that out, but I think they will. Um, but yeah, Mike Smith's performance last Monday versus the Ducks was, was, uh, was uh, it was great. And I think he was definitely deserving of our performance of the week. Any, uh, any runners up there with the performance of the week besides Drew? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there were a few guys that had, had a, you know, really solid games. Um, trying to think off, off the top of my head. Bruce had three goals and one assist in one game. Yeah, Ehlers, Ehlers has been a big part of that attack. I know he, um, again, I, 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 you know, the goal scoring is important. I just think the way Mike Smith went into the, and I think of the big factor for me was that winning in Anaheim is never easy. Now, granted, Anaheim is depleted a little bit um, as far as the personnel goes. They still put 43 shots on net. I mean, I mean, he, he had such a good game. So um, I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with Mike Smith. Um, I hope he is. I hope he wins the Vezina because that's only going to help me out. Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any key games coming up here in week three? Yeah, we actually have a really really good slate coming up this week. Tuesday night we have the Leafs at the Caps. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. I think the Caps are pissed off about the way they played the other night, and the Leafs obviously are going to play that run and gun. So you have um, that electric offense going up against a world class goaltender of Holpe, and then you have that somewhat um, willing to make mistakes defense going up against Ovechkin, who's just been on a tear lately. So um, I think that'll be a fun game to watch. I mean, watch, it'll probably turn out to be like a two, one game or something, but either way, it's going to be chance after chance for both teams. Wednesday night, we have our NBC sports network rivalry night, the Hawks at the blues. That's always a fun game to watch. I'm putting my money on the Hawks, even though it's at St. Louis. I think St. Louis has been slipping a little bit. Um, they started out hot. They kind of been back on their heels a little bit this past week. Chicago has been playing well, but either way, that's always a fun game to watch. Thursday night, we have Tampa Bay at Columbus. That's a fun game. I just like the way those two teams play. Uh, I think Columbus is going to really be physical with them, and Tampa Bay is going to have to match that style if they're going to want to um, come out of Columbus with a victory. And then again, Chicago playing against Edmonton at, at the United Center. Um, I think the Oilers, again, 
Now, so they're missing Leon Dreisaitl, which I'll cover later. But I think that'll be a fun game because I think Connor McDavid um, is itching to get back out there and, and catch up with everybody else in the points race. And then Saturday night, we have a hockey night in Canada, and the games that I like aren't have nothing to do with Canadian teams. <laughs> Pittsburgh will be at Tampa Bay. <clears throat> um, that'll be a fun one. That's a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. And then we got the Kings at Columbus. So obviously, I, I'm very high on Columbus right now. Um, and I think, you know, the Kings I had as our number two power ranked team versus our number five in Columbus. I think that's going to be a really good game. Quick versus Bobrovsky. So I'm excited. I think there's a lot of good games coming up this week and uh, excited to see how they're going to turn out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any guys uh, got an infirmary here? Any, uh, any key guys on the injury list? Yeah. So infirmary for the week. So um, there's a, there's a, it's, it's a sad list. It's sad. Um, Zach Parise left practice. He is still having trouble with his back and I like Zach Parise a lot. I, I want to see him get back to full strength. Um, he was supposed to, you know, Minnesota had a few days off here and I think they were hoping he'd recover. Um, it's still bothering him too much that he can't. And that's at a bad time because the wild are also missing Charlie Coyle and, you know, Nita rider. And those are three very important cogs to their attack with Minnesota. So I think they kind of have to kind of tread water here a little bit dealing with these injuries. Guys like Joel Erickson, Eck, Mikkel Grandland are going to have to step up and provide that offense and stability to that team right now. Um, Auntie Ranta was uh, recently got injured for Arizona. Um, that's a loss for them just because of Louis Domingue is not, um, I'm not so set on him being like stepping into a starter's role. So hopefully Ranta isn't out too long for, for the, co- for the uh, uh, Coyotes there. Um, Leon Dreisaitl, as I just mentioned, is out with a concussion. Uh, that's a big, obvious, I don't even have to tell you, that's a big loss for Edmonton and their offensive attack. Connor McDavid's going to have to really step up. They have um, Kyler Yamamoto up on that line with McDavid and, and Maroon. And right now, Ryan Strom moved up with Nugent Hopkins and Lucic on the second line. So um, losing Dreisaitl out of that top six group, uh, definitely a detriment. And not don't forget that um, the Oilers are still without Andre Sekera. And he had a good season last year. He played a lot of um, tough minutes for Edmonton. That, um, Adam Larson's picking up now. And Adam Larson's been playing well, but... Um, yeah, Edmonton's going to hope that Dreisaitl's um, going to get cleared soon. Um, speaking of head injuries, Marc-Andre Fleury uh, took a knee to the head the other night, um, and that's why we saw Malcolm Subban get his first victory. Um, but Vegas also dealing with other guys. Eric Halla with an upper body injury. Jonathan Marsa saw lower body injury. So Vegas a little banged up right now. They're still 4-1. You know, anytime you get these teams with these injuries, they're just, you know, trying to keep their head above water until they get it back, similar to what the Ducks are doing right now without Hampus Lindholm and Sammy Votnin and Ryan Kessler. Um, Alex Edler just sprained his MCL for Vancouver. That's a big blow because they don't have a lot of depth back there on the D. He's out for four to six weeks. So um, that's not good for Vancouver, a team that's already reeling a little bit. So I think Jacob Markstrom is going to have to keep that solid play up in net, and it's going to be tough missing his top defenseman. Eric Carlson just came back from injury. Uh, so there's some good news for Ottawa. And again, they're, they've been playing well. So I think, you know, obviously getting back a Norris Trophy winning defenseman is going to only help them. So I think those are the big, big, uh, big injuries right now in the infirmary for the NHL, which it's always sad. I hate to see star players go down because you just, you just want to see them play a full season and see what they're really going to do. So um, speedy recovery to all these guys. Any, uh, any transactions that have happened recently? Yeah, this is, um, you know, 
these first couple of weeks that the NHL gets rolling, you don't see a lot of major trades, um, major movements. Um, all we got right now, Calvin, like I said before, Calvin Pickard was traded to Toronto for a six round pick and a prospect. He's going to compete with Curtis McElhaney for the backup job there in Toronto. Um, I think that's a good pickup for Toronto. Anything should happen to Frederick Anderson. Um, they're going to be riding a lot on Curtis McElhaney who, um, no discredit to him. He's a quality backup, but, um, Calvin Pickard was obviously, um, a very touted goaltender. His numbers weren't so great in Colorado. I think in his career there, he had a 904 save percentage, but that was playing in front of um, obviously a defensively weak Colorado team. Um, so that was a good pickup for uh, Toronto. Um, and Mark Streit actually got placed on unconditional waivers by Montreal. I guess uh, I guess it wasn't meant to be. They they thought he could come in and replace Andre Markov because Markov was asking for too much money. Um, Mark Streit's a solid puck moving defenseman. I guess I just, you know, couldn't find a spot for him there. But yeah, that's, um, that's what we got as far as, um, transactions for the last week. Um, but yeah, so just to, uh, talk about a few of the, you know, I think one of the main key points from last week, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to, you know, I, I said about it before. Um, Las Vegas is just, it's, it, they're a fun team to watch right now. I think because they have this underdog mentality, um, you know, now you have Marc-Andre Fleury on the shelf and Malcolm Subban comes in there and, you know, gives a gutsy performance to pick up his first win of the year. Um, James Neal has been, been incredible. Um, they're getting contributions from guys like Nate Schmidt, uh, who again was uh, underrated defenseman. So I think Vegas is, uh, Vegas is an exciting team to watch right now. Um and on the flip side of that, a team that is not fun to watch right now, the New York Rangers are just absolutely reeling. And I said this to you, I believe, in our first episode that I think the Rangers are on the way out. I don't think it's necessarily Hank. Um, I think I think they're just not keeping up with the teams around them. And I think it's starting to show right now. Elaine Vignal's trying to – I think he's kind of grasping at straws at this point. Um, now, he's had a few um, – you know, a little bit of bad luck. Rick Nash has been um, kind of snake bitten a little bit. You know, but he's not what he used to be. Losing a guy like Derek Steppen in the offseason. Kevin Shattenkirk hasn't come in and done exactly what they thought he would. Um, they need to get more contributions from guys all throughout the lineup, and it's not happening right now. I think the Rangers are reeling a little bit. I think they're falling behind the other teams in the Metro. Um, another storyline that I've been following uh, specifically was is the uh, the Winnipeg net battle right now. Um as we know, Steve Mason came in to be the starting goaltender for Winnipeg and Connor Hellebuck's just been stepping his game up. And I think right now he's the de facto starter in Winnipeg. As you saw, I picked him up on fantasy as I told you not to do last week, which was, I was kind of safeguarding myself a little bit, I guess. But, um, so that's an interesting storyline to keep watching. We'll see if Steve Mason gets a start this week and how he does. I think he kind of knows he's going to have to turn in a solid performance. He wants to retake the reins in that net. The Capitals, uh, their blue line woes, as I said before, um, they got a lot of young guys in there. Um, and that's been a big problem for them. And I think they're starting to feel the effects right now of um, losing guys like Carl Alsner, Nate Schmidt, Kevin Shattenkirk from that blue line that was so rock solid for them last year. I don't know if I want to say they need more from Braden Holpe because I don't think he's getting the support in front of him that he needs. But um, that's something to keep monitoring is how that blue line situation rolls out in Washington right now. And again, um, some slow starters, as I mentioned, Taylor Hall has yet to score a goal. Jonathan Druin is 0 for 17 on the season so far. He's put 17 shots in uh, net for Montreal. And that's a big reason why Montreal right now is on the outside looking in. Um, they brought him in specifically. He's now, he's been doing an okay job of, 
um, setting guys up. And I think he's still getting acclimated to playing full-time center. Um, but Jonathan Druin's a little, a little, uh, uh, had some bad puck luck here, um, along with Taylor Hall. Um, so I think that'll turn around. I think that'll, you know, start to get back to his, you know, the mean shooting percentage that Jonathan Druin's usually at. Um, but they definitely need him to start putting the puck in the back of the net. And with that, I'm going to touch a little bit on, I think maybe I'll just do a trophy a week on as far as like, who's uh, the favorite right now. And right now I think the Calder trophy is a fun one to watch. I think everyone likes watching to see who the front runner is in that Calder trophy. And right now I got to say it's Will Butcher, as you know, Hobie Baker finalist. Uh, he's got eight assists in his first five games in New Jersey, and he's providing what they need on that back end. Uh, Ryan Hartman's been do- doing very well in Chicago, but he slowed down a little bit. He had that five-point performance um, in Chicago's uh, first game there. Um, he's been looking looking pretty good on that line with Patrick Kane and Nick Schmaltz. If he can st- keep contributing, um, he's got to run at it. And I'm still going to stick with Jesper Bratt right now. Uh, he's slowed down a little bit. He's still um, a key part of that New Jersey Devils attack. Uh, I think he's going to be in that running there. Um, but there's a, it's a long season, you know, we got a lot of young, young talented rookies to, um, to observe this year, but those right now, I think are the three that stick out to me. All right. Time for the fantasy corner. Um, two, oh, any, uh, <clears throat> waiver pickups you're looking like this, uh, this week. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, Rove, by the way, uh, the way you were talking earlier, it sounds like I should be the one listening to, uh, your waiver pickups, but I know you don't have anybody on your watch list worth, uh, worth plucking that I already don't know about. I know that. Well, I mean, to be fair, we, I, I, I will uh, agree with you. There's nobody that's on my watch list that you probably haven't already at least, at least have a sniff in. That's right. That's right. As long as you realize that Rose, I love you. <laughs> Listen. All right. So, um, I, there's a few guys I like right now. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, again, our league counts hits. I know I've said this multiple times on here, um, but there's one guy I want to keep an eye on right now. And that's Cody Franson in Chicago. Um, he's not getting tons of minutes, um, but he was a very, very um, highly touted prospect when he first got drafted by Nashville. And he's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, I think if he can provide some stability on that Blackhawks blue end, they're going to give him some, some uh, more ice time. Um, he's capable of some offense. So he's kind of a deeper um, guy to keep an eye on before you add in. Um, I think he's probably only owned in, yeah, he's owned in 0.6% of teams in ESPN right now. So um, that's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, Nikita Zaitsev is still only at 50% ownership and he's a plus eight. If there's anyone providing defensive stability on that blue line, aside from Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley, it's Nikita Zaitsev right now. Um, and he's actually a very, very good pick. I'm going to quick slide into DFS a little bit. If any of you out there play daily fantasy sports, um, Nikita Zaitsev is a good low budget pick. Um, and he blocks shots too. So he's putting up points on that second power play unit with Toronto and he's blocking shots. So if he's not on the score sheet, he's getting you daily fantasy sports points. Um, so that's a little, you know, something to keep in mind when you're doing your uh, daily fantasy sports lineups is you want to find those guys. Um, you have to you have to know when to pick your superstars. Um, you have to be able to be balancing your your salary that you have available, and you want to look at a lot of the times the second line. Um, for example, Andre Burakovsky, Nicholas Backstrom, T.J. Oshie. 
Um, you know, Ovi's been, Ovi's been on fire lately, but those three have been providing, I should say those two, Burkowski, not so much, but um, Backy and Oshie have been great on that cap second line. Um, guys like um, Radulov on that top line with Ben and Sagan, if you don't want to play one of those two superstars, but you like Dallas that night, um, look at those complimentary players, Anders Lee, Jordan Eberle, if you like the Islanders one night. Um, Nemesnikov is his salary is rising a little bit, but if you don't want to spend the money on Stamkos and Kucherov, you know, that's an option. Um, and I think two guys, um, Kyler Yamamoto, like I said before, is on the top line with Connor McDavid and Edmonton right now, even strength at least. I believe he's on the second power play unit. So um, guys like that can make the big difference, especially if you're in a, um, a tournament with a lot of people that enter. Um, it's going to be those, the difference maker is going to be those guys uh, that not everybody's not everybody decides to play. Um, but yeah, anyway, so, uh, back to some, uh, more sleepers, a guy that's been, like I said earlier for Pittsburgh, Ole Mata, um, still only at 49% owned. He's climbing. His ownership is climbing. Um, he's only getting maybe, you know, 17 to 19 minutes a night in Pittsburgh, but, um, he's done a good job. He's got six points in six games. Um, he's a guy to keep an eye on cause he's a swift mobile puck moving defenseman. Um, John Moore in New Jersey, for some reason, he's decided this year he wants to contribute more. Um, he's got three points in five games. Um, these are He's kind of a deeper add. Um, Jan Ruta, again, in Chicago. Um, he's getting 18, 19 minutes a night. Um, so there's some guys on defense that can really help you out right now. Um, as far as the offensive side of things go, I think uh, a guy that I had on my watch list that um, he made his debut the other night, um, Adam Shapachow from... Uh, Vegas, he only played 10 minutes, but he scored a goal and had two, has, was a plus two. Um, this is a guy that came over from the KHL. He's 30 years old. He's a veteran. Um, you're not always sure how they'll pan out as far as coming over from the KHL, but he can be a good option, and he's somebody to at least keep an eye on in the short term. Um, Derek Broussard in Ottawa has been um, really turning it on lately. Again, I don't know if you want to necessarily go out and add him, uh, he's typically around a 50 to 60 point player, but if he's on a hot streak, there's no reason that you can't take a look at him. Jason Zucker in Minnesota only owned in 21% of fantasy leagues in ESPN, which is, which is crazy because right now he's going to be the go-to guy in Minnesota with Parise, Coyle, Niederreiter all out. You should take a look at Jason Zucker if you haven't already. Kevin LeBanc again, <laughs> I keep mentioning him and he's still only 9% owned in ESPN. He's playing 17 minutes a night in San Jose and somebody's got to score the goals and he's playing with Thornton and Pavelski on the top line. Sven Andragetto, um, another guy that's been contributing on that Colorado line. I would say pick him up at this point until Colorado slows down, especially if you need help. Yeah, so uh, I know it's funny because Matt Duchesne is actually a free agent in our league and I keep toying with the idea of adding him, but I don't have anybody. To, I, I, I can't make room for him right now on a, on a, on a speculative pickup like that. If he gets traded... That's another thing. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to say what's going to happen with Matt Duchesne, but right now he's a free agent in our league. Um, if he's a free agent in your league and you need help at center, go ahead and add him. I don't, you know, if he had dual eligibility, that might be another reason I would add him. But um, um, I've been looking at him for a couple of weeks, but my problem is, is I took both, uh, both Nico and Patrick and I can't really drop them because of their pedigree, but at the same, so I can't make, I had no room. <laughs> okay, well, you got to realize not everyone's going to be a McDavid and Eichel and a Matthews and a Line. Oh, no, I, I the first I, two picks in their draft. You can, I mean, at this point, 
if, if, if those two go as they have been going in the next two weeks and you don't drop them, I'm going to say you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You got, I mean, look at the, look at the past first or first and second overall picks. The last two years have been anomalies. Yeah. Okay. True. So, well, I think I like, I like Nico a little bit more than Patrick. I think he's shown a little bit more on that. I mean, Patrick's down on the third line now um in philly um you know nico's still on that top six role so i mean i i think i would keep nico before patrick but at the same time I'm, i you know i'm gonna fanboy because i'm a flyers fan <laughs> well then let that be your own demise my friend if that's how you want to run things on your ship go for it um but yeah anyway back to real players that probably will make a difference to somebody's team uh <laughs> um nico rontanen <laughs> Uh, five points in six games, highly touted prospect. And again, as long as Colorado is playing as well as they are, I'm okay with picking up guys like Sven Andrigetto and Miko Rontanen. Um, I just don't have room for him. I would love to add another Finnish player on my team. It's just not not in the cards for me right now. Um, Andre Palat is 73% owned in, in fantasy leagues right now. Um, he's kind of cooled off a little bit, but he's still, you know, especially if your league counts hits, he's a guy that takes the body frequently enough that he's going to contribute um, enough. Um, the Nuge, right? Nuge, Nugent Hopkins is going to get a lot more time now that dry cycle's out. So um, he has been an, I'm, he's been a bust. I, you, there's no way around the fact that he has been a bust when you compare him to other first overall picks in the past drafts. Um, but he can still be, you know, a guy that's going to put up 50, 60 points. I think Edmonton is um, weary of trading him just for the fact that it's, you know, so hard to pick up centers that are top line potential centers. Um, so I, I, I'm in a love hate situation right now with the Nuge. I think he's going to, um, get some more minutes and I think he's going to perform well, but, um, I would put that down before other guys. So yeah, I think, uh, as far as, you know, maybe some goaltending help again, I think you still have to wait to see who's going to get injured. It's going to happen. Um, in which case you can probably, if you want a short-term pickup to help you in the next week or two to see what happens with Marc-Andre Fleury. Malcolm Subban might be that guy. It's tough to say. He's played one game. Uh, he beat he beat his old team, Boston, which is a cool story. Made 21 saves. Um, has that first draft, first round draft pedigree. Um, he could be a guy if you're desperate in need of goaltending help. I don't trust Jacob Markstrom anymore. I know I mentioned him last week. Um, now that Edler's down. And the Islanders' crease is still yet to pan out. Thomas Kreis has outplayed Halak significantly. Um but I think the Isles are still kind of looking at how Halak finished last year and they're still weighing that a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but I think Bryce, I think Bryce is going to continue to separate himself. I think he's been waiting for um, an opportunity to prove he's a starter in this league. So um, I'd keep an eye on that situation. And again, the Winnipeg net, I think Connor Hellbook um, has higher pedigree than Steve Mason. Uh, Steve Mason was brought in to be the starter, but, if he keeps throwing up uh, stinkers like he has, uh, Hellebuck's going to take that net and ride with it. Uh, he's looked really good. Um, other than that, I mean, there's not a whole lot of help available, probably if you're in a standard 10-team league as far as goaltending goes. Um, those, are kind of, um, those are kind of your options at this point because usually every other goaltender's uh, snagged up for the most part. So um, I know Jimmy Howard might be available. Uh, in some leagues, he's only 60% owned. His ownership's climbing. I think people are afraid, one, of Detroit not being that great, and two, of Peter Mrazek looming. Uh, but I think Jimmy Howard's 
a little safer right now. I think he's a big reason why Detroit had that early season success. So I think he might be a good guy to um, at least consider. Um, so, yeah, I think as far as your fantasy pickups for the week, uh, give you a little advice there on your, uh, on your uh, DFS uh, strategies. Uh, I think that's where we're at. All right. Now it's time for uh, our final segment of the podcast. Change it up. Uh, we're going to be doing this every week as part of our, uh, one of our segments. Basically we're just going to be going over, you know, time line changes and battles that are going on. Uh, Tula, what can you tell me? Yeah. So there's a few things going on right now. As I mentioned before, Sean Couture is now centering that line in Philadelphia with Claude Giroux and Wayne Simmons on his wings. Uh, that's proved to be a very potent lineup right now for Philadelphia. So I think Couturier, they want to see him shape his offensive game a little bit more. And I think that's what's happening right now. So that's one thing to keep an eye on as far as those Philadelphia top six minutes go. Mitch Marner practiced on the fourth line for the Maple Leafs the other day. I think that's more of a, um, kind of a wake up call to him. He hasn't been clicking on that second line so far for Toronto. And I think they obviously want more from him. I obviously that's not going to stick. Uh, and the same thing can be said with Alex Galchenyuk on that fourth line at practice for the Canadians the other day, they really want more from him and they deserve more from him as a, as a top three pick in, uh, in the draft that he was. So I think, uh, Alex Galchenyuk really needs to step his game up. And I think that was a wake up call for him a little bit. Other lines that I've been looking at, Zemgis Gergensens is up with Jack Eichel and Jason Pominville. So they moved Evander Kane down to the second line with Ryan O'Reilly um, and Kyle Oposo. So they're giving Gergensens a chance to be that battler now in the corners that I mentioned. Evander Kane was doing that job, and now they're giving Gergensens a chance to do it. Um, Jason Pominville has been fitting in nicely on that line with Eichel. I think that's going to stick. Uh, I think that's going to stick for the duration of the season, honestly. I think they're just trying to find that right fit on the left wing. And I think uh, Evander Kane is is a good a good choice for the second line as well. I think he provides a little more offense that they need on that second line to balance things out. So that'll be interesting to see if that sticks. I still like keeping an eye on these avalanche lines, Yakupov with Duchesne and Alex Kerfoot. So Alex Kerfoot was the uh, college, college prospect that came over, decided not to sign with New Jersey. Uh, the Avs lost Will Butcher to New Jersey and then gained Alex Kerfoot, basically, who decided to sign with Colorado. So... Um, that line's been clicking along with Sven Andragetto and Miko Rontanen with uh, Nathan McKinnon between them. So those lines in Colorado, while they're clicking now, I think I think they have their line set now. If if Gabriel Landeskog comes back into that picture, then it's going to be who's going to hop down to that third line for Colorado. Is it going to be Yakupov? I don't think so. Could it be Sven Andragetto? I think so. I think he would be the guy to, to be removed from that top six if they decide they want to put Landy back up there, which they very well could. Another thing that I've been watching, another line uh, line shift, Riley Nash was centering Brad Marchand and David Pasternak up in Boston. I saw that. That's a primo gig. With Patrice Bergeron still on the shelf, I think uh, he's definitely enjoying life right now with Marchand and Marchand and Pasternak. Those are two high quality wingers. Obviously Brad Marchand is the pest of the league. David Pasternak proven that he's a high quality goal scorer. It's interesting to see if Riley Nash is going to stick with that. I, he's obviously not once Bergeron's back, but in the short term, maybe he could possibly even bump David Krejci down to the third line. So that's something to keep an eye on in Boston. And I think they're still trying to figure out uh, their offensive 
offensive scheme as well. So he can be a part of that. As I mentioned again in Edmonton, uh, Kyler Yamamoto is up with McDavid and Patrick Maroon on his left wing. And Strom has bumped up to that right right wing uh, slot with Ryan Nugent-Hopkins and Milan Lucic. I think that's definitely weakening their offensive attack, as I'm sure you all know with Leon Dreisett a lot with a concussion. He, uh, I think Ryan Strom, this is kind of his second shot at it now. He was bumped down, bumped down to that third line, and he wants top six minutes. They want to give him top six minutes, but he's got to prove that he belongs there. And I think um, another fun one to watch is Yammer Yager uh, was skating on that line with Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau at even strength was on the second power play unit. I think that's what they want to do with him. They brought him in to be that steadying presence on those lines because as you saw with um, Calgary last year a little bit, Monahan and Gaudreau were still trying to figure things out a little. And I think Yarmer Yager might be the guy that can kind of help settle them down a little bit and get them back to the level they were producing two years ago. So that'll be fun to see where Yog sticks on that. I don't know if you saw the interview uh, they did in Calgary the other night. Uh, they were interviewing the traveling Yogers. And they were talking about how they needed to find a, then now they needed to find the Calgary Yager and Yarmer Yager was actually giving another interview down like a hall. And he came in and had a Calgary flames autograph Jersey for him. And he basically said like, you know, I'll be the travel. I'll be the Calgary Yager, which is, I mean, you imagine you travel in the country and you get to actually see Yarmer Yager like that. And he coming up and saying, he's going to be part of your, part of your posse. So that was a, that was a really, a uh, really funny story. I, I love Yogs. I, I just, I wish he could play forever. I think everybody who, even people that don't even really watch hockey know who Yarmy Yager is. And he's just, he's the man. Yeah. Remember that picture? Remember that picture uh, with the, with the, that girl tried to blackmail him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, she tried to, would she have like a, a boyfriend or something? And she slept with uh, uh dagger and basically tried to like blackmail him. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, she was like, "Pay me, pay me a certain amount of money, or I'll sh- I'll put this picture on social media." And Yarmer Yager said, "Go ahead," and she did, and it was boss. It was boss as hell. Yarmer Yager's just sitting there, like, "Yo, peace, what's up?" Like, I don't care. That's awesome. Um, anyway, last last little bit I want to mention is uh, Nico Hayshire is actually skating right now with Taylor Hall and Drew Stafford's moved up to that right right wing spot. They put Pavel Zacha with. Uh, Jesper Bratt on the second line to see how that works. Uh, Adam Henrique actually got bumped down to the third line in New Jersey. So I think they're just trying to spread that offense out a little bit. I still think their main concern is going to be on the back end, but it'll be interesting to see Drew Stafford's kind of an underrated player. I mean, he's not going to put up huge point numbers, but he's pretty consistent with, you know, 50, that 50 point range. And I think fans in Winnipeg and Boston can attest to that as he's had a lot of success in the, those two places before. And I think he's a, he can be a decent fit on the, in the top six group, just because he kind of is that steadying presence, especially for a young team like New Jersey. So that'll be interesting to see how that pans out for, for the devils there. If Drew Stafford actually sticks with Taylor Hall and Nico, he sure. Agreed. All right. Well, that's about as much time as we have for tonight. Um, as always, we'll be back next week uh, with more stuff for you. In the meantime, like I said, make sure you, you know, tweet at us, Follow us on Twitter at uh, Puck Me Podcast. Um, and then also, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us uh, via email at uh, puck, uh, PuckMeSideways at gmail.com. You know, feel free to send us any questions you want answered on the show. 
Um, and we will be happy to answer them. And we, you know, anybody who tweets at us, we will read the tweets um, or the questions <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah. right on, just, right on just, the podcast. Just troll us and we'll read it. Like, just say, like, just say hurtful things and we'll just read it. Like, <laughs> I'm not even there. Ask us some questions. I'm sick of my own opinions. I want to hear somebody else's. I wish you could uh, give me something. Just give me anything. We'll talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week.